Today on our show, we're counting down the top 10 films which couldn't get made today. You can make them. Let's go, Paul. And this is going to test <laughs> the boundaries of what we can get away with. Let's do it. Welcome to episode 451 of the Countdown Podcast. My name is Wayne. And my name is Paul. Welcome to the show. We count down stuff in order. Awesome, so you don't have to. Today, films. Films specifically that we now question in the 2023 lands in which we live. Yes. How the fuck did anyone think these films were a good idea and had they passed because the times? Yeah, exactly. It's almost, it's almost like they didn't age well. Yes, but we, we look back and go, "Whoa!" In some cases, it's like, "Hmm." But I am. Um, I mean, I should be honest about this, right? Like, I'm a big proponent of certain things were appropriate in their time. Sure. Okay, and the and the proof is that they were successful, or people didn't have a problem with them then. In our new woke fucking era. Everything offends everyone, okay? <laughs> and I am one of the things that offends everyone. Yes, so, so Wayne's like, eat my ass! Exactly. <laughs> eat exactly. all the asses, man! <laughs> so uh, with a grain of salt that I give you these, these, these movies, because I'm like, yeah, I know, but it happened at the time and no one had a problem then, so if... Or, if no, I would suggest there's a couple of other people had problems that look, were controversial. There, there are, but like... Yeah, well, this is the thing, though. This is the James Gunn syndrome, okay? There are certain things you could make jokes about back then, which were no problem, and then if you bring them up 20 years later, it's like, well... It ages poorly. Exactly. Yeah, um, I, I do understand where you're coming from. Now, I should also give a bit of credit here to my brother who suggested this topic to us, so thank you, Adam. And I believe that may have come out of conversation with his brother-in-law, Luke. So thank you to Very nice. you both for the idea. I think that's, uh, without any further ado, Wayne, let's get into the segment which kicks off most every show. It's called The Recount. Who wants a recount? Who? What's on the wire this week, Polly? Well, a couple of weeks back, we counted out the top 10 Amazon Prime video watches, which was a big ah, episode yes. for us. Did very well. Thank yeah. you to everyone who downloaded it. But didn't quite translate to the number of votes in the community. So I don't <laughs> know whether that means I had a lot of new people who came along. Oh, check this out. I'm fucking up all these idiots. And they backed out again. <laughs> I just always assumed that. But I'd been on a bit of a tear of late. One last three or four. That you tear have? has ended with oh. Wayne with a comfortable victory. I'd love to tell you exactly how many votes you got, Wayne. But I can't because there is no button to click on that tells me what the votes were. That's okay. I'm going to estimate here that you had around about 21 votes to my 14. So okay. pretty solid victory there. Some of the feedback from the man who puts the list together every week, Troy Spinner. One word or two, Bloodsport. It's a win for Wayne. <laughs> this was a surprisingly common theme through the feedback. Matt Evans, for example, said Wayne knocked it out with a bolo five-finger clunge punch to the minge. <laughs> He's the large Chinese man in the film. Okay. Uh, Chad Fackler, Wayne wins for his number one pick, of course, and not because Jack Reacher is squeezing my head like a zit in a single one of his enormous paws and I'm doing it under duress. Nope, no sir, not even remotely the reason. I didn't know Bloodsport and even Jack Reacher was so popular with the folks. I guess we got a bunch of jocks in our audience. Chris Eni's comment has been hidden because it's offensive. I had to click on it to unhide. What do you say? Wayne for more slash better originals, which was also a theme of the feedback. Mm. But if Reacher season two shits the bed, I'll hitchhike and take public buses to Australia to sleep with someone he knows and kick his ass. <laughs> with only one outfit that I wash in motel sinks. 
That's what Richard does. He only, he only oh, has one outfit. And, and that's considered unfit to be hidden. Well done, Facebook, once again. It, sounds, it probably sounds like a threat or something. I don't yeah, know. okay. Uh, and then Cameron Petty said, I thought I was voting for Paul after Wayne went rings of power. Not just the choice, but how he thought that's, that's how the story goes. It's so completely off the rails. Is but, it? Wayne, you really brought it home, and the top end is really where it counts. Well done. Oh, I had oh. to stre- stre- uh, look, I should say, stretch, short, look, far and wide. For any votes for me, David Powers at both lists are great. Voting for Paul purely out of Wormwood love and because he needs the votes. <laughs> great. It. And then the only other vote comment for me was Adam Cracknell. He said, Paul having the return of the King at six is outrageous in my opinion, but Wayne not having it at all is simply inexcusable. A lot of fans. Vote for Paul. There you go. Well done, right. Wayne. Easy victory to you. That's the end of this week's recount. Let's get into it on the other side of this particular music cue. The top 10 films that couldn't get made today. The top, top 10, 10 films that, that couldn't, couldn't get, get made today Yo. is the subject of this week's countdown. Let's not mess around any further than that. I think we've explained the brief very, very well. Bring it. I have my finger paused over the mute button, just so you're all aware <laughs> for Wayne for this entire episode. <laughs> Good call. Uh, take it off the way, Wayne. Go on. Keep all right, cool. Uh, I'm going to go with my number 10 being a little number called Rambo 3. Ooh, okay. Yes. Yep. Now, Rambo, Rambo 3, in case you're not familiar, folks, um, I'm sure you know who Rambo is, but in the third installment of this film, which is one of the most celebrated and iconic series of its genre, this is where Rambo went to the Middle East and helped the Taliban. Right. <laughs> not only did he help the Taliban, he armed them, right? Oh, the movie lionizes them as heroes. To be fair, they are, uh, back then they were called the Afghan Mujahideen. They turned into the Taliban, and, and I Americans believe... Americans because they were fighting the Russians. Exactly, yeah. because they were fighting the Russians, and Rambo fights Russians, that's fine. Now, the movie itself is perfectly decent 80s action fair, but yes, the subject matter has become something of yes. an absurdity in the modern age. Basically, that's the thing about this one here. I thought I would give you a little intel about the film for fun. Sly, when he made this film, he asked for a Gulfstream jet, $12, $12 million, <laughs> as part of his pay packet. Come on, Sly. Well, he got it. <laughs> $12 million. At the time, the movie's budget was $63 million and it was the most expensive film made at the time of its release. Really? 63 So $12 of that was, was Sly's fucking jet. So I'm like, okay, nice one. Well done. Fair, fair enough. Sly almost got his head cut off by a helicopter. Right. Blade. And there you go. Right. Well, I guess well done, Sly, for keeping his head and managing to hold his own to get a Gulfstream jet. That's ridiculous. Look, that's just classy. <laughs> My number 10 is not that far away, I guess, from Rambo 3 in so far. It's probably, though, the newest film on my list. I don't think I have anything newer than this from 2008, Tropic Thunder. Now, I know this is the point. I get it. I get the joke. I found it very, very funny at the time. And they the double down the joke by not just having Robert Downey Jr. put on blackface to play mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. African-American mm-hmm. during the filming of this, this film, uh, this platoon-like yep. film. Yep. But they make him an Aussie as well. Which is what I truly find offensive. <laughs> Not me. Why can't, why can't we have an Aussie playing an Aussie, goddammit? <laughs> no, look, I'm just pretending. <laughs> well, Are there not enough Aussie actors in the world? <laughs> well, the thing is, right, 
this isn't actually on my list, and I'll tell you why. Because and I agree, I agree with you. Uh, again, I want to emphasize: I get the joke, but there is no way that film gets made fifteen years later. Is it fifteen years ago that yeah. they made it? Because it seems like so recent. You know what? The, the the deal with the Tropic Thunder is that this was an achievement and nothing more than an achievement. Because I think this is one of the best comedies I've ever seen. Okay, and the the swings that it takes, putting Tom Cruise and yeah, yeah. like again, you know, I'm not knocking the film. I think it's a really funny movie. Oh, it's, it's really good, it's brilliant, but, and it holds up if you ask me. But I haven't watched it in a long time. Oh, I've watched it. But jeez. The, that idea, that, wow, they made that this millennium and they got away with that. And again, that's the satire. That's the joke. We're really doubling down on how inappropriate this is. Ben Stiller gets it. Robert Downey Jr. gets it. I think he might even be nominated for Academy Award. That's what I was going to say to you. Not only did it work, it was celebrated. Nominated for an Oscar yep. for Blackface. That happened 15 years ago, okay? Mm-hmm. And frankly... I'm fine with it because it was the movie that was trying to do. My fingers hovering over the mute button. No, it's fine. It's fine. Look, it worked, didn't it? And it did. Yes, but on my point, you understand. It would not be missed today. Good. That's that's the list. Well, that's why it's here. uh, Rob Downey Jr. did a Joe Rogan thing where he actually said to him, he's like, could you make Tropic Thunder today? And this is maybe two years ago. Yep. That he says, uh, you could try. It's what Robert Downey Jr. said. <laughs> Good answer. But that's the biggest swing and fucking hit ever. For, can you imagine pitching that? Yeah. Come on, man. I can imagine pitching it more in 2008 and even more in 1993. Was that so different that year that long ago? Yeah, I think 15 years ago, there's yeah. been a lot that's developed in that time. Yeah, okay. Well, you know, I think a lot of people actually had a lot more problem with the Simple Jack character. Where Ben Stiller was playing a, um, you know, a disabled person. Right. And I completely forgot about that. Dude, there was actually a scene in that movie, which I still think is hilarious. Because, like, one of the lines he does is, you m- m- make me happy, right? And then the, the actual, the, the newsreader who's talking about it, the entertainment reporter, she goes, can he m- m- make another hit? <laughs> I'm like, oh my god. She did, that's in the film, bro. <laughs> All right. My anyway. Number, my number 10, acknowledging it, Tropic <laughs> Thunder. Cool. Well, my number nine is probably easily more offensive than that uh, because it was made in 1982, Paul. Oh, that's every chance then. And I saw this film like like then, back then, and didn't bat an eyelid. It is called The Toy. Oh, yeah, that's higher on my list. Okay. Way higher. <laughs> okay, so if anyone doesn't know, this is a Richard Pryor film. And I, actually, thought, I thought this was a great pull by me, and then, damn it, you've got it as well. Yeah, I, well, this is the, it was actually, there's a lot of like common ones in a lot of lists on the internet, yeah. so I'm trying good shit, but I know what you mean. The toy is, uh, yeah, Richard Pryor. Um, <laughs> and the plot Who is... himself is known to be a pretty edgy guy. Like, he was of on the... Course, of course, of course. And this, I should say, this was not a hit in the, 90, in the 80s, right? Like, it wasn't that big a movie. I did manage to see it, though. It is about a rich white child who chooses a black man as his, as his toy. <laughs> well, it's a rich white man who pays for a Sorry, black yes, man the rich... to be his son's toy. Yes. Yeah, and that's what it is. And the, 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 I remember one of the gags from the film was that the, the young white kid was, um, obviously he's rich, his last name is Bates, so the butler calls him Master Bates. Um, <laughs> hey, at the time, it, it, it's sung. Height of comedy. It, it's height of comedy. Um, now, it is actually based on another movie called Les Joies, which is a 1976 French film. Essentially uh, following the French, yeah, the French. You know, I mean, so <laughs> the French one was also not successful. However, um, that makes I guess sense, so let's make it anyway. Okay. Well, yeah, this is it. I don't know how things happen in Hollywood like yes. this, but um, certainly not forty years ago. But I, I'll tell you that I remember the thing about the film was that literally, because to be fair, the Richard Pryor character was like very like he was like fuck you, I don't give a shit. You know, he was like he was, he was defiant. It wasn't yeah. like a. You know, what well, he needs money or whatever it was. Yes, but could you even imagine? No, could no. you even imagine doing that? No, today? Uh, not at you all. You wouldn't make it past the pitch. Obviously, a good choice given my it's way higher. On my list. We'll find out how high <laughs> as we proceed. Probably a short episode, by the way. Today, that's okay. I think we've had a few epics lately. So. Yeah, we have. So you know, there you go. My number nine 
is like every other 80s comedy, just a couple years later than your film, Just There, The Toy, from 1984, Police Academy. Oh, yeah. Did you like For, Police Academy? Did, the first one, yeah. <laughs> I loved it. And rewatched it countless times growing Me up. Me too. Stay and then reworked my way through it back in 2019 when I was doing the movie watching challenge. Oh, really? It's uh, Hendo from the Movie Journey podcast. And these are all short films, so I watched all the Police Academies. <laughs> They're fucking they terrible. They're terrible after the first one. They're really bad. Hang on, hang on. Police Academy 2. Shit. Citizens on Patrol is 4. Shit. The third one was Sharon Stone. Shit. No, the fourth one is fourth one's Sharon, Sharon Stone. Stone. third one was some other one. There's Mission to Moscow in there I, somewhere. Oh, Operation Miami five, Beach. Five was Miami Beach. Um, I don't know why I know this, um, but like I remember liking <laughs> 2. It's, Here's not, the thing. it's not good, trust me. Here's the problem with Police... Well, okay, Police Academy first was... First assignment. That's right. Bobcat Goldthwait, now I remember. But that first one by the end of the movie. Well, the best thing about the third one actually. Yeah, the best thing about Police Academy, this first one, right, is that it is a true eighties action. Sorry, comedy, which means titties, other shit. Well, you're saying the best thing. African American jokes. That shit could not fly today. Any and for multiple reasons. One, how many jokes as women as sex objects can be? How many times can we refer to Callahan's rack in this movie? That alone is bad enough to make it sure this film would never get made today. But now, you can't make fun of police officers like this. They're not funny anymore. No, no, no. Police officers are not funny at, at all. This, they're only the subject of biting drama or maybe, maybe, no, drama would only be the thing because there's nothing funny about what's been happening with the police. Well, this is the, this is the thing. You've got, like, if, you're, if, you're, if the basis of your humour is these are incompetent police, right? That's no longer funny. No, right? not so, at all. Because I mean, all the things that have happened, and not to by any stretch of imagination imply all police officers are like this. They're not. I you know, don't support that defund the police I, I think crap. Fuck off. Ninety-five percent of police officers are probably upstand, uh, great, upstanding citizens who are. My doing neighbor their is job. one, and he's yeah. a great guy. Yeah. So yeah. like, it's the, it's the rogue small number that that make life miserable for everyone else. I think so. You know, I'm still. I support our police. We need them. They are the thing. That's blue the thing. Line. Like people saying defund the police. I'm like, Fuck okay, off. so who are you going to call when someone anarchy. fucking sh- anarchy would follow? That's complete bollocks. So I want to be very clear here, and I don't want offend anyone who's listening but you can't the closer we can get was Brooklyn Nine-Nine which was very chode a beautiful line between being mocking of the characters not because they were police officers but of the characters who were police officers I think they overreacted by showing how good they were at their job so yeah. this is this is the, because of those incidents they had to cancel whatever what they, they rewrote the last season yeah I don't you know. No, I see why they did it. Hey, what are you going to do? It. That's why you're not in charge of these things. That's right. And if there was, if there was a pecking order in, in who I should be, be in charge, I am before you. I'd be the CEO who was like, this motherfucker is an asshole. You and I'd the, be like, I'd you be were the guy when we were shooting Reap who's like, let's just get the hide camera and hang it out the side of the car while we're driving <laughs> 50 kilometers an hour and get that low shot. And I'm like, no. In our industry, we're called cowboys, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be at the front of the press conference going, hey, you bunch of namby pambies, eat my ass. So there you are. Nothing could possibly go wrong driving 50 kilometers an hour with a, a handheld camera just above the surface of the bitumen road. I Nothing. mean, I think it's guys like me that created Hollywood Paul. <laughs> <laughs> All right, what do you got for number eight? Okay, well, speaking of police, Paul, this is an odd one for number eight. It's actually a 1980 film with none other than Al Pacino in it, and it's called Cruising. Never seen it. Heard All, right. Of it. All right, so Cruising is a relatively tense thriller. I actually saw this, Paul. Okay. okay. Back in the day. Back not, in the day. Not in 1980. It was like on it's video like years five later. Five years old. Yeah. Now, he, yeah. So Al Pacino is playing an undercover cop who's pretending to be a gay man in order to capture a serial killer who's targeting other gay men. Right. Now, the movie was not wildly successful. Sidney Pollack? I, no. The, uh, it? it wasn't Sidney Pollack. It okay. was, uh, I'm sorry, I don't have it here, but it wasn't him. Carry on. I'll find out. There you go. I will tell you this, though. 
It is very confronting. Now, for the 80s, you weren't used to William seeing William Freakin. There you go. What Ex- else did he do? Director of The Exorcist. There you go. You did not see a lot of gay man-on-man stuff back in the 80s on yeah. in mainstream cinema. Yeah, 100%. And there's quite a bit of it here, as, as befits the plot. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a scene where Al Pacino, who somehow always looked 45, <laughs> I don't know what it is, right? He's on amyl nitrate in a night in a gay nightclub and does like the weirdest looking dance. It's a really odd film, but the I think... And there's an interrogation scene. This is something. Where in the middle of like five policemen interrogating Al Pacino and this dude, for some reason... This tall, naked black man with a cowboy hat and a G-string on with his cheeks hanging out and his dick almost hanging out. Just banana walks, hammock stars. Banana hammock, right? Yeah. Walks up to Al Pacino and just bitch slaps him off the, off the, off the chair. Didn't like the way he's dancing. And then walks up. Well, he was He was, he was being, <laughs> Well, apparently this is an urban legend of an interrogation tactic from way back where they send in someone who looks ridiculous to rough you up and that way no one will believe your story. Where you say, this huge tall black man wearing a G-string and a cowboy hat who was naked slapped me. And they'd be like, no, that didn't happen. And that's a thing. And apparently it was uh, in American Horror Story, they did sort of a homage to that scene. Really? Yeah. But the, the I think so why the, wouldn't this get made today? The is reason it wouldn't get made today? Because a straight man's playing a, a Well, what it is is that, man? spoiler alert, you won't see this. The killer ends up being a gay man who can't come to terms with his sexuality. And because uh, course, like the killer is yeah, gay, yeah. seemingly without realizing that every main character in the film is gay, this actually is the case, right? But they, the, a lot of people at the time claimed that the film made it seem like the victims deserve to be killed uh, because like that. So yeah. I think what happens now is that I actually think that you have to make it all different if it was a gay serial killer. You'd have to. You could probably make it if you really change the shit out of it because no one would care if he's gay or not now. Right? No, well, I don't. Well, right? yeah, yeah. I, I, get, I can see how it's. Well, it's probably pretty controversial at the time. Yeah, you said it wasn't overly successful. So no, but it was. It was a big swing for 1980. I yeah. tell you that. Yeah. I, would, I would. Even now, I'm like, wow. So okay. there you are. All right. I've got one not dissimilar in my list coming up as well, which we'll get to in due course. My number eight is. A film also from the early 80s. Do you know some crazy <laughs> We were... No one gave a fuck in the 80s, okay? 1982. And in this Academy Award nominated film, I don't think it won the Academy Award, but it might have for something. Mm-hmm. Dustin Hoffman decides that to get ahead in life, he Did needs he? to dress as a woman <laughs> and pretend to be a woman because he can't get that that promotion that he deserves otherwise. <laughs> it's It's... But here's the thing, right? Like, so I remember Tootsie. I've seen it at least twice. The idea behind the film is, yes, Dustin Hoffman, in order to fill a niche, obviously turns into a woman. And then Now, the, I think the sensitivity here is more to do with the transgender, this, that, whatever, right? Well, it's to do with the idea that this film wants to sh- teach audiences what it's like to be a woman with a male character. But, I, <laughs> okay, I get, I, I get it, I get it. But, like, if you, if you look at the film itself, right, you're sort of... As an audience member, you are being taught as a man, like if you're a male, female, or a male, and even for women, that it takes a man trying to be a woman to understand their plight is kind of the way it goes. Because guys try and crack onto him. For some reason, he looks like fucking shit, right? <laughs> I don't like know why. He looks like, and the guys are cracking onto him. I'm like, come on, man. Come on. You uh, do better. Yeah. So I, I, I thought, oh, look, I wasn't offended by any of these movies, but I guess if you made it now, it'd be like. Oh, there's no way. But like, that's the whole point. You could not make this movie today. And also the idea that a man can't get a job that you know what I mean, like a woman can, like that's a bit. Premature. But see, that's almost, but that's almost pro female, isn't it? No, like again, he's getting no, no, no. I think you are. I think, I think I you're think missing what, the point, and this is going to be a mute moment. <laughs> unless you just, I think what you're saying is that if a woman, woman can't do it, how can a man, woman? Yes, do it? yes, okay, all right, yeah, all right. Exactly. fair enough. Fair and enough. let's all let's all see a woman's plight from a man pretending to be. No, come on. 
Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I get it though. Okay. Um, yes. You know what it is? This is just you can't do any of that shit now, so that's what it is. So all right, nice. Alright, what do you got next? My number seven was a film I saw with my grandmother in um way back when I was a youngster, but it's even earlier than the eighties Paul. It's like nineteen fifty four. Uh and the film is called Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. <laughs> oh, okay. Now First of all, if you watch this movie with the lens of yesteryear or whatever, you probably wouldn't immediately get offended because it's a musical, which is why Paul's never seen it. Right? <laughs> I have no idea about this film whatsoever. Thing. Here's the plot. Adam, who's the eldest of seven brothers, goes to town to get a wife. Because in the 50s, you could just go into town. He lives in the hills with his brothers, right? Okay. So he goes into town town. And there's, there's is, a lot it, is of he of money? Is he rich? No, no. He's a, he's a, he's a woodsman. He, him and his brothers are all living in the sticks. And it's literally set in the 50s. Yeah. And so... So far, this sounds awesome. Oh, no, no, no. You, you don't know anything, Paul. He goes down, right? He sees a woman and he's like, you know, she's just singing and cooking for people for some reason. And he's like, I better try some of that cooking to see if this woman would make a good wife. All right. And then he goes there and he just asks her to marry him straight up and convinces her. And she goes, okay. Then, I wow. know. I know. Then he takes her up to his log cabin in the hills, right? And she's like, oh, shit. There's six other dudes here, right? And he's like, yeah, so here's what's going to happen. Because my se- my six brothers don't have a woman, your job will be to cook, clean, uh, do laundry, <laughs> right? It doesn't stop there, Paul. It doesn't stop there, right? To be fair, she does get a bit of a, she does get a bit pissy about that, right? But then he goes, this is the real kicker. She goes, oh, okay, well, you six boys have never actually dealt with a woman, so she sort of tries to teach them how to deal with women, which is sort of an interesting thing, right? Right. But then... They decide, this is real, they decide to go into town and kidnap six women. To kidnap? Act, yes, actually kidnap. Not convince them to come up, but kidnap. Because they met them at some sort of fair or some shit where there was oh, an altercation. Gosh. So they go down, and they kidnap these fucking women. They bring them back up into the hills, into their cabin, and they cause an avalanche so that the fucking, no one can come get them. I know! So they become a cult. I mean, I guess so, but the women are held against their will. Now, here it is. They come up. make a musical about this. Musical. It's like, that, 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 that fucking bitches in my fucking cab. Or whatever, right? It's like that, right? So then the women, the way it's played for these women are like, hey, what are you guys doing here? And they start playing pranks on the guys, right? Like, that's their comeuppance. But then get this, Paul. After time, they all develop Stockholm Syndrome yep. and decide that they want to be with these men. <laughs> There's a mo- turning point in the film where the main guy goes, okay, well, look, I- I've now that I've had a daughter with the original girl... I understand that us kidnapping women might have caused their families to miss them. So let's return the women, fellas. And the guys are like, oh, we don't want to, but okay, I guess we should. They then go, this is not, I'm not kidding. They then go, like, say, come on, ladies, we're going to bring you back into your town. And all the women go, no, we want to stay with you men. We want to stay kidnapped here and we don't want to see our families again. (laughs) And then they go back, they finally do go back into town. The whole town, to be fair, wants to lynch them. Good, right? but they don't. No, what happens at the end is fucking, like, they see the baby that this guy had. And it's like, Who's, whose child is this? And all six and seven women say, it's my baby to stop, you know, them from lynching any of the bad guys because they're fucking... Oh, my God. And so the way it ends is like, okay, then let's just have a big shotgun waiting for all seven, for six of you. <laughs> Can you imagine even any of those things happening in a movie yeah, today? Terrible. It's forget about it. It's, like, it's hilarious. But again, it's all jaunty and singy and fucking this and that. Absolutely. It's a, it's a famous show. Absolutely. Unbelievable, uh-huh. <laughs> uh, and also the fact that that storyline happens, but it's unbelievable that musical ever got made. I mean, I don't even. Yeah, it, it was like a stage like Oklahoma. And it's bad like, enough it's that I guess what I'm trying to say here is bad enough that that storyline exists. It's even worse <laughs> that it's presented in musical form, to my mind. 
you should see like the lead guy is I can't remember his name. He's a famous old actor. He's a big, huge Ranga dude with a Ranga beard. He looks like Redbeard the pirate. And he's all like, "Well, look at these fucking women. I better get to make that one my wife." And I'm like, "Wow, the fifties. It was such a different time, was it ever?" Okay, <laughs> nice choice. Then uh, my are. number seven is probably well, at least will be known to most people. It's uh, from Monty Python. It's called The Life of Brian. Oh yeah, you can't you can't be making jokes about. Jesus what, what? and I think there's rape jokes in there as well. Oh, and it's 1979. This is the, the oldest film. Was on, it 79? Yeah, on my list. So you've gone back older. But uh, yeah, to to shit on it takes how many years? The Last Temptation of Christ was the next film, which was really about Jesus, and and that's obviously a very serious kind of take. And, and that's from Martin Scorsese, who's a devout Catholic. Jesus. That film was met with boycotts and death threats and bombing threats and the like. Let alone. Can you imagine that was how many years later? Like about ten years later, seventy nine. It was just the right time to get away with this. There's no way, even even as we found out by the nineties, you could get into this, let alone in two thousand and twenty three. Oh, bro, um, the life of Brian. Look, do you remember what you felt about this show at the time? Oh, uh, I was too young when I watched that movie, so you know. I mean, I thought it was hilarious. I thought the song was pretty funny. <laughs> you can Ooh, always look on the bright. bright. Yeah, because I was also raised as a staunch Catholic, mm-hmm. right? So the idea that you know people getting crucified and singing and stuff like i i guess i was just because i would i definitely didn't see it when it came out i wasn't four years old but like i would have seen it when i was like 15 or 10 or something right? yeah, i mean obviously it's a fast right obviously it's a it's a very it's a spoof if you will of something of completely 100 percent. and i thought yeah. it was like it's i actually thought it was lots hilarious. Of bullshit in there it's so over the top how do you take how do you take offense at it believe me Christian Catholic groups would take offense at it. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, you couldn't make it now. People's Republic of Judea. Uh, yep. It's like, but uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you're right. In fact, um, didn't Dogma get the same picketing? Yeah, again. Any, and that's nowhere near as offensive. As offensive as this, exactly. So, so yes. Not absolutely. as entertaining as your <laughs> regaling of the last movie, but uh, <laughs> there it is, Life of Brian, my number seven. No problem. Well, my number six is kind of a no-brainer, but let's see what you think. It's Heather's. Uh, also higher on my list. Higher on your list? Yeah. Okay. So let's just get this out of the way. Heather's is fucking great. Heather's was. was I love really, the movie. Heather's is one of those films which is probably ahead of its time, yet ironically couldn't get made. Exactly. Now. Way ahead of its time because, like, in case anyone's not in the know, and let's face it, you are in the know if you know this show. It is about Winona Ryder, whose name is Veronica. She goes to a high school, which is a very bitchy high school, and there are sort of elitist females there who all happen to be called Heather, and they kind of treat her bad and yada, yada, yada because of that. And she and falls for... She falls for the bad guy. Christian Slater. Bad boy. Who decides to do something about this bitchy girls. That's right, and it involves guns. Guns and high schools and literally shooting up a cafeteria. I just don't think it's going to get there today, Paul. Suicide's a big thing in this film as well. Suicide is a huge thing. Satire. Because it's all set up like they killed themselves, right? Exactly. I love my dead gay son. (laughs) So there's all kinds of stuff. Like There's actually a gag scene in there, which I'm sorry, I still find it funny. They're trying to to pin on the dead guys that they were gay lovers. And as a result, they start planting stuff in their bags. And then the the policeman is like getting stuff out. And is like, he looks and gets out like mineral water. Oh, damn. Look, I, but I will tell you this, right? They did, in fact, try and remake this, Paul, not long ago. Really? 2018 as a TV series starring Shannon Doherty, who was in this film. Right, as one of the headers. What yeah. they, but uh, perhaps as, as proof of our choice here, though, they didn't. They went a season with it, but it, was not, it wasn't so shooty-shooty. It was murdery-y, but it was like bomb next to the fucking statue kind of thing. It wasn't, it wasn't shooting up a cafeteria. Yeah, so they softened it a fair bit. They softened it a bit, but like this is the thing: under the lens of making it a sort of sinister kind of like show, you might get there. What Heather's was was a comedy, 
which had What's the darkness satire? in it. Yeah. It's very satirical. Yeah. Right. Now, um, interestingly enough, Brad Pitt auditioned for the role of Christian Slater, and okay. they said he was too nice. Yep. Christian Slater said his, and this is so there if you watch the movie, he said his performance was heavily inspired by Jack Nicholson. Yeah, and if this you is where it, comment, the comparisons really came from. Well, this is it. And he, he said he, he, he wrote a letter to Jack Nicholson asking him to watch it, but he never got a response. But it's so like, that's his delivery. And I'm like, it's too Jack Nicholson. Too Jack Nicholson, okay. And her, Winona Ryder's agent begged her not to be in the movie saying, your career will be over. Right, so even then they knew this was highly controversial and, and touchy subject matter. <sighs> I guess so. I guess he's expecting a comment. Yeah, who knows? But uh, yes, quite quite the show, everyone. Yeah, well, I think it was envelope pushing at the time is my memory of it. But now, forget about it. I mean, you'd have, besides the school shooting stuff, which of course is a very understandably horrendously sensitive subject with everything that happens, particularly in the States. But... Then on top of that, you've got making fun of kind of suicide and sort of, can you imagine the mental health lobby groups would oh just God. lose their mind. You can't trivialize suicide like this. It's going to set a bad example. Kids are going to watch this shit and, and yeah, it just... And also he's no. like, remember he's like, he's saying to her like, just shoot the guys with this gun. I'm using these dummy bullets and it only makes a small... Like he's basically downplaying, but if you shoot people, it's okay. <laughs> Don't think Not so. Not at all. Don't okay. think so. My number six, also another classic from the 80s. <laughs> Do we get, I don't think my list gets out of the 80s. No, it does. But this one has your requisite amount of typical kind of weird sexual politics from the oh. 80s. It's Revenge of the Nerds. <laughs> no, the first one? Yes. Good. 84 is Revenge of the Nerds. In this film, there is a scene where the main character tricks a woman into having mm. sex with him by making her think that he's her actual boyfriend. Because he's wearing a mask. Oh, my God. And? And that was okay in Not only was it okay, when she finds out later on, she's totally fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, no, you're not. Unfucking believable That's bad enough. And that's, that's the worst thing about the film. Full, full yeah. stop there, let alone it's the way essentially rape. women yes. are. It is rape. It is rape because yes. it's non-consensual. There's also all the, the requisite gags about, you know, women's genitalia and, now, and being lusted after to the point of extreme in excess and ridiculousness. But you're also making fun of nerds and geeks in this film. It's all, you know, oh, obviously they win the day. You couldn't do that now because nerds and geeks run everything. Trust me, that is the least of your problems. The, the, what you talked about with them, um, because they basically set up a peephole and, yes. and spy on women. Yeah, and they're sitting geeks. around. Yep. Yes, exactly. And they're sitting around doing that. And I remember at the time laughing at this purely because of the crassness. Now, as you know, the character, Booger, yep. who was that guy from Moonlighting, for, for all I knew, because I saw it before after Moonlighting, mm-hmm. he's like, this is bullshit. I want Bush. <laughs> God. And then there's a tight close-up of like a woman pulling her panties down. And I can't really, I, I saw the TV version, so when she pulls it down, it cuts away. I don't know if there's actual Bush in it. I don't it. know. So, <laughs> but stuff like that. But like again, I think the, 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 the making fun of them being nerds, you can still do that now. Well, Big Bang Theory did it, but did it in yes. a very respectful kind of way. Well, it was TV. So, so I'm saying, like, yeah. I, I don't think you get a film like this. Just if you talk, no, you definitely sec- don't get a film with the with the with the no, lead take, character. Take all the sexual element out of it. I don't think you get a film like look, <laughs> we're picking on the nerds here on campus. That just doesn't happen anymore. Probably because the stereotypes of nerds has has like you've got the the it's Asian evolved. nerd. It's the, evolved the to be. It's not a. It's no longer a shameful thing to be a nerd. No, it's not. But anyway, I think it's an it's a shameful thing to be a dick so like to be an asshole yeah yeah and they i guess they were being assholes so you're right but they played off like they were harmless because well, of the it plays off like they're the heroes of the film like. yeah totally they, you know yeah i saw nerds in paradise the second one oh, at, the, at the at the drive-in poll wow. how old i am all right <laughs> there you go all right what's your number five my number five is a film called the ringer now 
Okay, this that's is a, a recent film, right? 2005. 2005. So it actually wasn't that long ago. Now, but I still maintain you couldn't really necessarily do it. This is, <laughs> get this, Johnny Knoxville. Um, Say no more. That's right. Uh, Catherine Heigl and Brian Cox. Okay. Those people are in it. Now, <laughs> here's what happens, all right? Yeah, I don't think I've seen this one. Mm, it's kind of weird. Johnny Knoxville is playing like this dude who has to fire a guy who lost his fingers. Okay. And in order to get to help his disability or something, he needs a certain amount of money. And Johnny Knoxville's like, oh, man, I need to get this money. And his dad, who is Brian Cox, goes, why don't you enter the Special Olympics, pretend to be disabled, <laughs> and try and win the $100,000, and we'll split it, right? <laughs> Now, of course. To be fair, and look, to be fair, this was produced by one of the Farrelly brothers, right? Well, that also makes a lot of sense. It does, and the Farrelly, the Peter Farrelly, I think it's Peter Farrelly, one of the Farrelly brothers. The guy who goes on to win an Academy Award for Green Book. Uh huh. He has has a long history of of affiliation with um like special needs, special needs kind of like yeah. organizations, and that's why in something groups. about Mary, yeah. he always uses actual disabled actors right and in this film there's like a hundred of them right so you might argue so that's good you might argue that's a good thing right? it is a good thing and that's why in 2005 he could still make it in every other aspect right i can tell you that when you watch the film i personally and this is probably because i'm not smart i was looking at the comedy because it's all delivered by the disabled actors but sometimes they ham it up and I'm, I wasn't sure that the disabled actor was actually disabled or if he's trying to play disabled and it was very uncomfortable to watch. Yeah, okay. Right? Yep. And to be fair, there is one scene where, he's, where, where um, Johnny Knoxville is in a confessional. Again, you know, the, 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 yeah. the grill between him and the priest. And he confesses. He goes, uh, I faked being disabled to enter the Central Olympics to win money and that's my thing. And then there's a silence and he's like, father? Father? And then this fist just comes through and punches him. <laughs> And the father actually picks him up and throws him out of the stairs and goes, you fucking asshole. <laughs> so they're playing on all of those things, right? Sure. But I still think you no. couldn't get there today with this. I do um, not disagree. One iota. There you go. All right. My number five is a film from 1983. It's a horror movie. Oh. Cover this on the slashes with Jason from Binge Movies and Megan from Spoiler Piece Theater. It's called Sleepaway Camp. It's a pretty standard slasher film where a bunch of counsellors at a la the Friday 13th, yep. it's a template which had been built, are being killed off while they're taking care of these kids who are somewhere around the age of 12, 13, I, I would think. Oh, oh, okay. But we're mainly following this one girl who is that age, who is very 13. quiet. Yeah, very quiet and very like she's timid and terrified of everything and everyone. and. Mm-hmm. But, you know, she's pretty, so a, a boy starts to show an interest in her and her brother's there and he's kind of the, so to speak, hero of the piece and he's trying to protect 13? her. In the, in the, yeah? Yeah, okay. In, oh, I'm guessing. You know, they may be like 13, 14. I don't know. It's around about 13 okay. years of age, right. give or take. It's how they look. Because, yeah. you know, they're on school camp. Yeah, okay. Or, okay. or camp, okay. or in yep. holiday camp in between school semesters and the like. The kids aren't being – some of the kids do get murdered. <laughs> but anyway. Really? Yeah, some of these ones. Maybe 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 I'm maybe I'm. When, when did you when, when was it made again? Eighty three. Eighty three. Okay, go on. Maybe she's fourteen. Yeah. Ish. Anyway, imagine sort of a young teenager. She's definitely not seventeen, eighteen year olds. Is she sexualized that? Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm already having a problem with it. <laughs> yeah, and anyway, where the real problem comes in is in the reveal. So spoilers for a forty year old film. But this is infamous in the horror community. This, this, this film. At the end of the film, the murder is revealed to be the girl. The actual Except girl. she's not a girl. She's a boy. She's transgender. Wow. And at the very start of the movie, her brother and her father are killed in a boating accident 
this was a boating accident. Mm-hmm. And she goes to live with his auntie who is weird as fuck and basically makes him, because mm-hmm. it's the boy, yep. be a girl. Because we don't have room for two boys in this family. You must now be your sister who died in the, oh in the boating God. accident. And of course, she's completely fucked up. And anytime someone does try to sexualize her, she murders them because they can't find out that it's a dude. But there's this awful composite Bloody shot hell. at the very end where she's standing bathed in blood, completely naked, dick hanging out. So is it played by a dude or a chick? She's a chick. The, re- the real the actor, actor is, is a chick. chick but, but they, they put a, a body double oh, okay. in and sort of composited yeah, her face you can't, you can't on the that. top. You, you so basically that. saying you know, trans people are crazy and bad and will murder people. Well, in, yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. You, that's not going to fly. <laughs> And you know, it's it's all. I mean, it, you can read some articles out there, or some reviews out there from queer people who are saying, "Well, actually, you know, it's not as bad as you think." But then you see other people who just absolutely lambast this film for being so dark age, even though it's very early sort of era for coming to understand or realize there are trans people. So, see the thing. I think that the the difference is is the movie saying this killer happens to be transgender, or is it saying transgender people are like this? Well. It's- Again, this is one of the It's too close ref- to do that. Yeah. Exactly. And also, it's like basically because the person's transgender, they're killing people because they're trying to hide their transgenderness. And, and I wonder if you're transgender, do you identify with not killing people, but the idea that you have such a problem getting to know yourself? You know what I mean? Like, it's there's just one so of those things. Go- it's all about so, execution, this shit. And it's so poor. Like, it, it comes out of nowhere, yeah. really. There's one weird scene with the aunt at the start of the movie. Like, what the fuck is that woman's problem? Yeah. But that's that's your context and but that's is that, it. Is that not well made, though? No. It's not. Okay, I, I haven't it's, seen it. It's, like I said, it's, it's meant to be highly shocking. It's meant to be highly controversial. It's meant to generate conversation that it did in the mm. area. In fact, this spawned three or four more sequels. So, not all of which are uh, Sleepaway Camp. Okay. Yeah. Obviously, I was never going to watch it, but no. uh, it's. Uh, yeah. I never would have heard about it if it weren't for this show, Paul. There we are. Okay, so door number four. My number four is airplane. Yeah, I didn't. You know what? I I know why, and it totally deserves its place in this list. I couldn't put it on here because that film I still laugh at. Bro, maybe not the jokes about speaking jive. I will acknowledge. Fuck off. That was hilarious. Okay, <laughs> I'm sorry, but it was. All right, I saw this film about five years that, ago this film in is the hilarious. cinema. It's right? hilarious. Yeah, they replayed it in the rooftop cinema in nice. in, in, in Pingo. I go see it. Look, the actual only problem with this film, if you ask me now, right? Well, not the only problem. There are many problems. But the, the, the running gags with what's X, it's Y. But that's not important now. Th- those, are, those are the kind of g- gags that they do. Right? And that was back then. Don't okay? call me Shirley. Don't call me Shirley. Is the, is the, frankly, when I first heard that, the, when I first thought, I thought, this is great. Clever. Really clever. Those lines, that kind of wordplay is very clever. Exactly. I think the bigger problem, because the jive thing, all right? That's like, yeah, it was the and then 80s. The, you know, the profiling of... of Middle Eastern people, and <laughs> and, you know, all those kinds of things. Though I think the bigger thing was like Leslie Nielsen slapping that woman. Because like, I can't resist slap, 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 slap. And then you see this line of people down the aisle yes. with, different, with different weapons. I'm like, yeah, that's a problem. <laughs> there's, there's quite a few problems I do acknowledge. I just, I like the film too much. It's on my, uh, my honorable mentions. I like the film heaps and will happily watch it again. You know, the thing that I found most weird and even that, I'll admit, I laughed at the time, but now it's like hard. Peter Graves, who's like the, 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 the pilot. Yeah. Is oddly pedo. Like he's the kid comes into the cockpit and he's like, look at the dog. Oh, I see the dog is a boy dog. And he's like, you know, it's just like it's just like yeah. oddly sexual with the kid. Yeah. And the kid even plays it like Ooh, like this. Yeah, well, at least the kid acknowledges. But I still. know, but like again, I still I don't care. I'll watch the movie again today, and I still think most of it's funny. <laughs> so there you go. All right, that's understandably on the list. My number four. Here's where I had Heather's. Ah, good call. Good so call. Bouncing back to you. Okay, so number three. I'm sure every this is on everyone's list because it's just very obvious. Soul Man. Is it on your list? Yeah. 
Okay. Solo. <laughs> when He's you see my number one, you, man. Yeah, you might get there. Okay, so check it out, everyone. See Thomas Howell is the lead in this, and there's almost no explanation necessary here, but long story short, it's a white college kid who, <laughs> in order to get into college, which he couldn't get wants into... Wants a scholarship. He wants a scholarship, so he chemically tans his skin take, with pills, which apparently... Pills. Yeah, you can... Which I don't even know if that's a thing. Um, he ov- obviously comes off like African-American, not really. And then he tries to then get the scholarship through the, the you know, that the program for... Well, he does for, get the scholarship and he goes to college. He does. Taking the place of an actual African-American who needs that scholarship. That's one thing. <laughs> that's one thing. I'm laughing at a horror, just to be clear here. Yes, yes, yes. No, that's the one thing. That this does. is a disaster, this film. Dude, it's amazing. And Elaine was in it from Seinfeld. Right. Um, yeah, okay. But, like, the bigger thing, I think, was that the the gags that are in this, right, are so blatant. First of all, C. Thomas Howell does not look like a black guy. He looks like a white guy in blackface. He's got funny he just, that. but he just looks like it with a shitty wig. Yeah. That it is obviously not the case. One thing I did laugh at, right, because it's almost pro African American, right, is when he goes to join the basketball team and he's the as all white guys and he's the only supposed black guy there. So the two captains are like, "Well, let me just take this guy." No, no, and they try fighting over him, right, to say like, "Okay, <laughs> that was really funny." And then he goes on to play the shittest game ever, yeah. right, and that was kind of funny. Now, in every other instance, there's one dinner scene where it's like <laughs> everyone is looking at the token black guy on the table, right, and they're all white, of course, and it just cuts to a fantasy or a version of them where in one per- he's like a black guy who's like about to fuck the mom and in other words the kid is looking at him and he turns into a pimp and he says like you know I said shut up bitch and give him my hypodermic needle and my watermelon and white fat ass slut that's what he says right? <laughs> <laughs> um, and he also gets refused like you hear him and his white friend go into the room the, the dorm and then the guy go, hey you didn't tell me your friend was black and he's like Oh my, and they do play it off like, fuck you, you racist fuck. Well, but that, the whole point of this film is, it's once again, it takes a white person to show how bad it is, hard it is to be African-American, <laughs> right? And then, of course, when the truth comes out, everyone forgives him. Oh, everyone's fine with it. Everyone's totally fine with it. Now, I will tell you this, Paul. $4.5 million budget brought in $35 million. Unbelievable. Because okay? it was the 80s, was 1986, 86. but it was just... I don't it's know. It's unfathomable, man. even at that time, that this was considered. Okay. I'm going to tell you that at the time it was so. I remember the popularity of the film. I remember lots of people laughing <sighs> at it, and it's there. You are again. It's just out of context. Yeah, but you got, c- we know it's out of, that's the whole joke of today's show. You couldn't the whole make point it of today's show. You could not make it. It would not get. Any, no one would even bring it up. No, not there's not one person in the world who'd be stupid enough to do not this. Not even close, yeah. man. So there you are. All right, what do you got? That's your three. My number three. Here's where I had the toy. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> no, look, fair enough. It's kind of, the, it's not the same thing, actually. This Tall Man is worse. Definitely. I think Soul Man is, is worse. To- yeah. The toy is terrible, though. I'm yeah. just going to, you know, basically <laughs> put you in slavery. I'm sure I'm paying you, but you're going to do the white man's bidding by entertaining my son. Now, dance, you know, dance for him. You know. Yeah, I know. You can't see it. <laughs> terrible. All right, what's your number? All right, number Three. two is Blazing Saddles. Uh, that's, my minor, that's also my number two. Okay, so let's talk about specifically what Blazing Saddles from this. Now, I want to say this. Please. I think Mel Brooks was, even though some of his movies I don't like, a comedy genius, and I think he knew exactly what he was doing, and I think if you look at this film closely enough, it's actually not racist. Yes, I agree 100%. But on paper, yep, because it's a satire, I will tell you it this. can be read that way. I've watched it not that long ago, and I don't mind telling you, it's still a funny movie because of the satire. It is obvious. Shit. The problem is that the execution of it, if you just listen to the soundtrack, you'd be like, oh my God, they said that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? 
But if in context with the movie, everyone who is like that, I'm talking specifically about the N-word and stuff like that, yes. right? Yeah, obviously. They, they are all portrayed to be idiots and assholes yeah. and they get their comeuppance. So it's actually not racist. I, you are, I agree with you. However, if you look at like the, the sexual parts of it and this and that, where, you know, like the, <laughs> the woman is like, you know, I hear you people are, are gifted and stuff like that, you know, yeah. that kind of thing, right? That's probably hard. But I would, I would make the argument that the right filmmaker... And I'm basically talking about Ryan Coogler or Spike Lee or something. Could he try something like this without being as brash? And if he did, would it be as good? I would say no, simply because it's too fucked up, right? But there's an argument here, Wayne. Yeah. And this, I'm going to steal this line here from a Twitter, uh, sorry, a Reddit user, yeah. I believe, yeah. Brad Antium92. Most of the laughs in Blazing Tales come at the expense of hillbilly white folks more so than the mocking of black stereotypes. Agreed. Maybe it wouldn't get made out of fear of, of offending white folks today. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, yes, it has gone like that now. You can't even offend white people anymore, everyone. I will tell you this, though. The campfire farting scene will never not be funny. Yeah. And well, that farts are funny. We know this. Farts are hilarious. Okay. So, <laughs> <laughs> Wayne, If Wayne had his way, this podcast would be riddled with them. Oh, my God. If you're going to use a sound we effect, We would have Paul, four mics. <laughs> two of which would be pointed at our asses. Exactly. Although, I, I'm oddly, weirdly um, apprehensive about... Actual farting. Like, I will never break the fart clause in a relationship. Oh, neither do I. Yeah. Uh, so that's only a relationship. It's the idea well, of farts. Look at a relationship, Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> there ain't no fart clause here. Oh, no. Ours is different. But then again, we're we're boys. So, you know, there you are. That was So, so our number two is Blazing Cells. Two is Blazing Cells. Okay. And then uh, I'll give you my list then. Ten through two. Go for it, son. Go for it. And then confirming my number one. Number 10, Tropic Thunder. Nine, Police Academy. Eight, Tootsie. Seven, Life of Brian. Six, Revenge of the Nerds. Five, Sleepaway Camp. Four, Heathers. Three, The Toy. Two, Blazing Cells. And my number one, Soul Man. Soul Man. Fair enough. Fair enough. I totally get it. Uh, my 10 to 1 goes like this. 10, Rambo. Three, nine, The Toy. Eight, Cruising. Seven, Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. Appropriately enough. Mm-hmm. Six was Heathers. Five was The Ringer. Four, Airplane, three, Soul Man, two, Blazing Saddles, and my number one is a film that is a Disney film, and they do not allow it anymore. Uh, yeah, I know what it is. It's Song of the I've South. I've never seen it, so I couldn't include it. Get this, Paul. I also saw this as a child, and I have a bit of a controversial opinion about this. Now, the this reason- This is Zippity-Doo-Dah, right? The Zippity-Doo-Dah, yeah. right? So this is a 1946, everyone. The oldest on our lists. Um, yeah, well done. Ow. Yeah. So- <laughs> You're right there? Yeah, smash my, <laughs> smash my finger on the table. Now, the problem that everyone has with it is that the, the, the main character is a kindly uh, African-American gent named Uncle Remus, who is, in fact, a slave. Right. And But he's very happy. He's like this kind of like... Oh, he's, he's talking... He's, he's, talking he's, he's telling a young story, boy stories about a trickster, Brer Rabbit, who outwits Brer Fox, and yada, yada, yada. Now, for me... The fact that Disney doesn't even allow you to get this anymore, I had to look. I saw it when I was a youngster, and I downloaded it again just to have a look at it. Yes, I stole it. I don't give a fuck. All right? All right. <laughs> that's the only way you can get it. It's the only way you can get it. Now, at the time, though, this film was the first, I think the first time they had put real live anim- action with animation. With animation. Right. So it was quite a, a thing, right? And I saw it as a child, and I enjoyed it as a child because I didn't yeah, know fine. anything. Again, right? when you were a kid, how are you supposed to know? Yeah, and for and, and if you actually look at the character itself, right? No, nah, you're racist fuck. Exactly, right? So <laughs> that's it. But he's actually like the nicest old gent ever. And for him to connect with a young boy, 
And just talk about animated bears and shit is actually delightful. And I think that it's actually a fine family film. It's just that the context is is not gotcha. allowed now. So it's it's actually warm hearted and gentle. But no one's ever going to like come well, on. Well, I can my see why it's that. number one because none of these other films we mentioned today are banned slash not banned slash have been retracted. All evidence of them scoured from the world, which is nuts, right? Yeah. And again, there's nothing actually offensive about the film other than the setting of that the slave doesn't is happy. You know, that's it. So there you are. All right. Any honorable mentions? Just run through them, Wayne. We won't talk about why. Sure. Sixteen Candles. Yeah. Uh, the Little Mermaid, where she gives up everything in her world for some dick. Okay. Cool World. And I think kids could could be would be a difficult one to make mm. again today. Okay, I've got American Pie. Yeah, yeah, for obvious reasons. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. American Pie. Yeah. Why? He's streaming her masturbating uh. without her permission. Uh. Yeah. yeah. I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. That Adam. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Adam Sandler. Sandler and Kevin James mm-hmm. film where they pretend mm-hmm. to be gay. And I had Airplane, aka Flying High. And that's Alice. What about yours? We wrap up every episode of The Countdown with your feedback on the topic at hand in the segment that we call The Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Talk about. Pop 10. Kicking off this week's Pop 10 with Aiden Parker. Number three, White Chicks. Number two, Team America. Number one. American Pie. All fantastic films, I should add. Team America? <laughs> marionettes, it's fine. To which, uh, David, oh, because of all the... David Power said, one of these things is not like the other. Lol, white chicks, I imagine. <laughs> that fucking... Yeah. yeah. Anyway, we could have mentioned... <laughs> I've never seen that whole film. I but, have, unfortunately. Yeah. Jesse Dixon said, Airplane because of the dated humour. Number two, Home Alone because of the child endangerment. Number one, Grease because it's crap. <laughs> <laughs> do you hate Grease, Paul? I do. It's fucking terrible. Mina Harker, aka Dan, said number three, John Hughes films generally. Number two, 70s and 80s adult animation. So the Fritz the Cats of the world, Wayne. I really, I've heard of that. I'm not familiar with it though. And number one, is anyone allowed to make really biting satire anymore? I think it's a very valid point. Thank you for that. The answer is no. No. Chad Fackler said, okay, number three, Soul Man. Come on, whole movie about wearing blackface. Number two, Chitty Mm. Chitty Bang Bang, the main bad guy is the child catcher. Need I say more? Mm. And number one with a bullet, Mel Brooks' classic Blazing Saddles. I won't even quote some of the things that wouldn't fly these days. I love the movie, but I was born with a sense of humor, unlike too many people today. Couldn't agree more. David Powell, one of the co-hosts of the We Watch The Thing podcast and all-around patron extraordinaire said... Blazing Saddle springs to mind, even though there's no reason because there's nothing in it. It's actually offensive if you have half a brain. Likewise, American Pie, because teenage boys depicted behaving realistically would be indistinguishable to average SJW from endorsing and encouraging that behavior. And finally, Monty Python's Life of Brian. Sure, it caused controversy with the co of the church with more of the church, sorry, with more limited intelligence than most. But these days, I think we'd be, we'd even have avowed atheists being offended on behalf of people of faith. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't say a damn thing anymore. Nope. Mike Margosian, another patron of the show, said Revenge of the Nerds at three, American Beauty at two. I thought about that mm. on, on my thing as well. You know what the real yeah, problem yeah. with that one is? Well, Kevin Spacey. Yeah, well, Kevin Spacey, but with a, a teenage... But they did it not that long ago, and it was an amazing swing, and it, it worked. 20 years ago. That, 23 20 years was it? ago? Yeah. Number one, Shallow Hal. Shallow Hal. Good show. But because yeah, of the fat shaming? I guess so. Yeah. yeah. I mean... Gwyneth Paltrow in a fat suit? Yeah, but the end of it is that he accepts her for who she is. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Stephen Bird said, another Spider-Man reboot. Oh, wait. There's another one due any moment now. <laughs> uh, Heathers, murdering students and making the like teen suicide in a comedy. Not to mention a plot to blow up a school with a suicide vest. Not today. Mm-hmm. Early James Bond, Wayne. 
Early Bond was pretty one note, heavily womanizing and misogynistic. Actually, Bro. I can see where Wayne's love of the series. <laughs> no, well, I don't agree with this because like, well, sorry, I do agree with that. But the, Sean Connery, of course. Yep. Right? There are so many early Bonds where he just slaps women. And I'm like, don't, don't, don't. I know you're Sean Connery, but don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so Sean, no. Uh, and then Ace Ventura, Pet Detective, a little bit like Sleepaway Camp. Because of the dick. Classic Jim Carrey, but the climactic gender swap reveal would never fly today. No studio would dare to touch it. Oh, 100% agree. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Jonas Lander, mentioned him earlier, said, uh, Blazing Saddles, especially as it is, too gone with a win, not only because of social issues, but it's boring and 11 million hours long. <laughs> and number one, Birth of a Nation, because, well, you know. Oh my God, yes. Yeah. That's, just forget about it. You know, I heard a story that Birth of a Nation is like, Obviously, it's completely wrong to you know lionize the Ku Klux Klan and all that sort of shit. Yeah. But it was one of the first movies where they actually did like special effects and shit like that so long ago. Right. Yeah. yeah. Lee Allen Thomas had Song of the South Wayne taking a note out of your book mm-hmm. Blazing Saddles, which is probably the winner in terms of the Facebook feedback and so. Birth of a Nation again at number one. Chris Yeni, another patron of the show, long term supporter. Thank you, Chris. Said Revenge of the Nerds number three, Airplane, aka Flying High number two, and Pink Flamingos at number one. Where is that the John Waters? Yeah, John Waters one with that. Oh, God, you couldn't make that at any time. You couldn't make it back then if you had a me. piece of shit. <laughs> Last two then to wrap it up. Joey DiCarlo from the So Is It podcast. Another great show. Heathers at number three. Teen Suicide School Shootings Bombings. Number two, Soul Man. At number one, different take, Monster Squad. A kid's movie that's scary, violent, has a lot of inappropriate language. Really? Kids today are too soft for movies like this. Wolfman has nards. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, maybe you're right. And lastly, Timothy Williams said, American Pie slash Porky slash Revenge of the Nerds. Pretty sure you go to jail today for some of the stuff they do, but I still do love them. Number two, the toy. Richard Pie being a toy for a rich white boy, enough said. And number one, Soul Man, the biopic of Justin Trudeau. (laughs) What? The Canadian Prime Minister, he... Really? Poor blackface. Oh, yeah. Was was it a long time ago, though? Not that long ago. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, didn't read that room particularly <laughs> well. And I may not have read his name well either, but my Just apologies. Don't know, that's how you say it. For that, that's your feedback. Thank you so much to everyone who got back to us. Sorry, can't get through it all. A fun topic, kind of in a way. I, I had a good time. I but, hope you guys did too. I don't know. A, in a weird kind of manner, I guess you would say, Wayne, how do the good folk get back to us with their feedback on the topics or indeed more generally about the show? Google the Countdown Podcast, get all of our socials and join the hell up. Or hit our website, thecountdownpodcast.com or give us an email at thecountdownpodcast at gmail.com. We are on X at the Countdown PC. Like and follow the show on Podbean, where we host it. And of course, the Facebook, this community, you know all about that. Thank you so much for joining us today for episode 451 of the Countdown, the first in the 10th cycle of 50 episodes. I think That's I said a lot of math week. you just did. All right. <laughs> What's happening next week, Wayne, for 452? Uh, we're going to do a music episode next week. And Don't know why, they'd never do as well. Except but, that 80s pop one. Well, it gets you bopping along. I've heard a lot of people say to me that they enjoy that on the way to work. They bop. They okay. bop, you see. Okay. Uh, so we are going to do... I actually really am looking forward to this one. The top 10 musical duos. There okay. we go. So yeah, we're going to have a bit of a sample of each of those and we'll see how different our lists can be. Most deaf. And that's it for us today. Thank you so much for joining us once again. My that's name is Paul. My name is Wayne. And this has been Wayne on the Soundboard. <laughs> This is the dumbest shit anyone ever said in the history of, and I don't think I'm exaggerating here, time. When it comes to banning anything that's controversial. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) We'll catch you next time. See See ya. ya.